This is the 13th podcast in a series on our working to understand Paul in his letter to Galatians, and in particular, the methods of Midrash that he uses. In the last podcast, we identified a chiastic construction in four verses that Paul cited from the Hebrew Scriptures. They are in what we call an A-B-B-A pattern. Now, we're going to take a look at what makes the A lines parallel. It's the word cursing. So let's look at these notoriously enigmatic verses, and we are going to see a very clear pattern of disclosure and meaning if we look at it as Midrash. We will first address Paul's analogical reasoning from two verses in the Hebrew Scriptures that he cites in verses 10 and 13. These are what I call the A-lines, and if you look at it as a sandwich, they're the bread, the slices of bread on the outside. Elon's, Menachem Elon's clear description of the rules of legal Midrash will again help us make sense of Paul's Hebraic reasoning. In verses 10 and 13, which are the A-parallel lines, Paul is using the eighth canon of Rabbi Yishmael, which examines the relationship between a general rule and a specific rule in Scripture that both deal with a common subject, which is cursing. The general statement of a law from Scripture is the generalization that applies to all the specific examples that might occur under it. Therefore, People in the ancient world of Judaism were startled when they found Scripture also including a specific statement that describes a particular instance already covered by the general law. Since Jews in the first century believed that God had embedded hidden or veiled meaning in Scripture, they perceived such an anomaly as intentionally placed there by God. They would ask, why was the specific statement made? According to the Eighth Canon, a matter that is included in a generalization and also specifically mentioned is meant to teach us something new. Therefore, the specific statement is made to teach something additional concerning all the matters included in the general law. Paul first stated a general law from the Hebrew Scriptures. Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the things written in the book of the law. He is citing Deuteronomy 27, 26. Paul is referring to one in a list of curses that the 12 tribes of Israel recited at Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal after they entered the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. Paul then cites a specific statement of that general law, which describes a particular instance. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's Deuteronomy 21.22. Such a man who is accursed for not observing and obeying all the things written in the book of the law, which is the general law or principle, receives a specific punishment, death by hanging, which is the specific example. The common subject of the general and specific laws is cursing. 
The purpose of the second specific law, according to the eighth canon, is to teach us something new concerning all the matters in the first general law, which concerns obedience to God's commandments. Let us look more closely at the general and specific laws to penetrate the logic of Paul's Hebraic reasoning. We will see that his legal reasoning from Scripture employs such literary devices as implication, paradox, and contradiction, as well as other linguistic devices that are characteristic of Hebraic artistry of language that we have already experienced, which are repetition, contrast, and irony. Now, let's listen to the general law, which is being cited from Deuteronomy 7.26. All are thoroughly cursed who do not live by all that is written in the book of the law to do them. Now let's look at the specific law that is in Deuteronomy 21.23. Thoroughly cursed is everyone who hangs on a wooden stake. Paul has just finished conducting legal midrash in the preceding verses, Galatians 3, 6-9, that involves Abraham, whom God credited as righteous because of his faith. Now we see a dramatic difference between righteous Abraham and Yeshua, who was crucified. There is an implied contrast between the two and a contradiction that is evident for both. Even though Abraham was under a curse because he did not observe and obey all the things written in the book of the law, God bestowed righteousness on him. Yeshua of Nazareth, on the other hand, was not under a curse because he did obey all the law. We see that in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Yeshua obeyed God even unto death. Nevertheless, Yeshua was hung on a wooden stake, receiving the punishment for one who is cursed by not observing and obeying all the things written in the book of the law. This is a paradox that draws our attention to the injustice and thus to its contrast, which is God's grace. According to Jewish canons of interpretation, a specific statement of the law was made to teach us something new concerning all the matters included in the general law that everyone is cursed who does not observe and obey all the law. What new meaning has Paul uncovered as a result of the specific act of cursing that caused the unjust punishment of the crucifixion of Yeshua? What new meaning can Paul now apply to the consequence of cursing upon those who do not obey all the law? And how do the specifics of Yeshua's cursing and crucifixion apply to believers in Galatia, to whom Paul was writing his letter. And by the way, they apply to believers today. So this is important for us to hear. The answer lies in the principle of substitution, which was a central feature of Judaism at the time of Paul. 
This concept of substitution is the foundation upon which the Hebrew sacrificial system rests. At the time Paul wrote his epistle, sacrifices were still being performed daily in the temple. God was accomplishing redemption from death, rescue from death, which is the penalty for the curse of disobedience, identified in the general law of cursing, and he was doing this by the principle of substitution. For an animal substitute to be accepted by God to redeem God's people from death, both daily death, which is separation from God, as well as daily suffering, which is the consequences of sin, the sacrificial animal had to be tamim, which is perfect and unblemished. That's what the Hebrew word means, perfect and unblemished. Having obeyed all the law, Yeshua was tamim a perfect and unblemished sacrifice. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. His death by hanging on a wooden stake signified that he was the substitute who had paid the penalty for the curse of disobedience according to the specifics of the second specific law. Thus, because of the paradox of the reciprocal analogy, Paul is able to apply the principle of substitution to the law of cursing by concluding in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. This hidden meaning, which Paul has uncovered from the Hebrew scriptures by using the eighth canon of Rabbi Yishmael, solved the problem of the particular situation. Paul has already demonstrated from Scripture that God has bestowed the blessing of righteousness on faithful Gentile believers in Galatia, which explains their performing miracles. However, what was the object of their faith? The object of Abraham's faith was the promise of a son. Now, what is the object of the faith of the Galatians? Paul answered this question with a new interpretive law. And we read in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Jesus Christ, then, is the object of the faith. And God has honored his promise to Abraham by the principle of substitution. God had promised that he would bless the Gentiles. God has blessed the Gentiles through Abraham by their faith in Yeshua the Messiah thus bringing believing Gentiles into a covenant relationship with God. I'm going to end the podcast here because, again, I've given you a lot to think about. This podcast was on the A lines in the chiasm. The next podcast is going to be in the B lines of the chiasm. So why don't you go back and review, and then I will meet you in the next podcast, which is probably the most exciting part of Paul's Midrash. So I will wish you shalom.